You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. How you doing today? I'm great. Are you feeling a little sleepy? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> because right before we actually started recording, Ethan was he was he was smacking his cheeks I like was, in that wake up kind was, of a thing. I was waking myself up a little bit. That I feel that here. personally today. I actually slept in a little today. It's it's weird to hear you say that. Highly unusual for me. Not even in like the look at me. I, was like, I mean, just like it happened today. Like yeah, I, I my alarm went off and I was I just rolled over. And went back to Whoa. sleep. And Did Morgan check your temperature? That, I I don't know. I was so out of <laughs> it. Because you were out of it. Yeah, I was so in a fugue state or something, which is, that's, <laughs> I mean, sleep, that is, you don't remember. But anyway, so apparently I'm feeling it today. It's just a strange, strange day. Speaking of strange, not not that I'm moving on to the topic. I'm not. Um, <laughs> that's, thought, oh, segue? No. Last night was the second time I've dreamt of being at Disney in a dystopian world. Wow. It's it which is a strange and very specific thing. But that is. it's not that Disney, it's not a dystopian Disney. It's that like the world is in a strange state, which is also true. It's <laughs> gonna um, say welcome to twenty twenty. Believe it or not, even stranger. <laughs> and then under strange conditions, I am at Disney. We are at Disney. It's the group of us. Yes. And it's something about it. There's like a strange urgency of us being there and doing all the things that we need to do. And and every time it's very peculiar and very, very vivid. Wow. I don't know where any of it comes from. That is strange yeah. maybe your mind is literally just trying to deal with the events of this year like literally just like how do i construct oh, these together yeah. in a sensible narrative yeah remember the one sane part of this year when you were at disney that was like the one bubble of sanity <laughs> that's actually whoa isn't that weird? we just unlocked your dream yeah wow <laughs> That's strange. My dream last night was I was driving people around and we were coming around a bend and there was a river and like a cliff and everyone in the car leaned to the right to like oh, no. knock us over. What? Like somehow the car was like super light and was like, it was like making it hop over there. And I was like, no, guys, like we're going to end up in the river and dying. And they were like, yeah. <laughs> Like, what the heck? I somehow think your dream too is dealing with the insanity. Of <laughs> yes, that's the it. Current day. What is happening? Well, we have correctly interpreted our dreams, apparently. Yeah, That's yeah. according to us, the definitive interpretation of our own dreams. <laughs> you know what most people don't do? Interpret things correctly. That's true. That's, I mean, maybe not in general. I don't know. There are a lot of zany misinterpretations of life and the world happening out Absolutely. there. And as a matter of fact, here is the segue into our topic. Aha. Recently, very recently, I preached a message on a few of the most common ways that we, particularly as Christians, can misinterpret the events of our lives when we come untethered from the larger true story of God and men. We touched on why bad things still happen to Christians and why Christians still struggle with sin and why following Christ is oftentimes not easy because when we come untethered from like the scriptures, we tend to think, oh, all those things will not be true. Like bad things won't happen to me. I won't still struggle with sin or following Jesus is easy. And that's just not the case. And so we end up misinterpreting the events of our lives and wondering why is the world the way it is? So we covered that, but I actually had written down a few others. We had it in mind that maybe we would do some other than those three. Uh And obviously just didn't have time to, you know, you can't cover all of them. There's so many of them. But I thought it might be interesting to touch on a couple of the extras that we didn't have time to get down to in the sermon in a short podcast episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's get into it. So we shall. So here's another misconception that we, I think, still commonly deal with today. If 
my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, God will accept me. <laughs> the classic works righteousness <laughs> thing, which is just not in the scriptures. Believe it or not. Not there, yeah. But this misunderstanding still manifests itself often enough. And I think the problem is, of course, we come untethered from what the scriptures actually say. But we also, as part of our fallen human nature, love to compare ourselves to others in order to feel better about ourselves, typically, is what we're trying to do. We hope to, anyway. Um, yes. And so the way this typically goes is something like, well, I may be bad. Like, we're willing to admit that. Yeah, I may do bad things. But at least I'm not as bad as that guy. Plus, I do way more good things than bad things, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty confident of that. But step back for a minute. This begs a couple of questions. First of all, at what point do we stop going down the line of comparison? True. Yeah, like as in, I may say, wow, you know, I've never killed a man, so I'm better than that murderer over there. <laughs> okay. Okay. Which I think, you know, most people would agree. Oh, yeah. Easy for sure. comparison. But then that murderer, you know, he may want to feel better about himself. And he may say, well, I've only killed one person. I've never gone on a rampage and killed like 10 people, so I'm better than that serial killer down the next cell over, right? Which, okay, sure, I guess. But then that serial killer may say, well, I may have killed 10 people, that's true, but I killed less people than Jeffrey Dahmer, and I didn't eat them, so I'm better than him. And the point is, on and on and on, the thing can go. It's like, where do we end that? Like, where does that, where does the line of comparison end? Like, well, now that you've opened the floodgates of my enthusiasm, <laughs> right? So, so you have Dahmer, right? And like you yes. mentioned, incredibly vilax, but, yes. but also an incredibly sick man who, who you know, eventually had a, a jailhouse conversion. Surely right. you must rank him below cartoonishly villainous characters like Bundy and Gein. Yes. Right? Like, where's the trading card game for this? <laughs> I think I could actually help them make it. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, point being, though, it's oh. like you can always argue like these pointless technicalities to essentially self-soothe. Yes. And I think that's the heart of it is we're trying to self-soothe. Exactly what you said. We're trying to justify the things that we do yeah. that are, you know, less than ideal or, you know, as Christians, we would say uh, sinful. And the point that the scriptures make quite emphatically and without apology is that Everyone has sinned, and thus everyone is equally guilty in God's eyes. Like, there's no magic standard where, okay, like, well, you know, I'm better than Jeffrey Dahmer, so I'm okay. Like, no, no, no. You, no, no one is. There is there is no man, as Paul would say, quoting the Old Testament, there is no one who's righteous, not one. No one who seeks God. Their throats are all open graves. Our tongues all practice deceit. The way of righteousness, none of us know on our own. And I will add this clarifier. That doesn't mean that all human beings are as bad as they can be. Right. No one is as sinful as they can be. It's not as if people don't do virtuous things. Mm -hmm. Like, you can still do a virtuous thing. It's still virtuous to help an old lady cross the street, you know, or whatever, or to um, give charitably to someone who's in need. But those good deeds don't somehow justify us in the eyes of God and make up in some sort of magic accounting for you know, our sin and thus our guilt in the eyes of God. In fact, a real danger for the people who are generally virtuous and quote-unquote good is that I think it can oftentimes be more difficult to see how their thoughts and deeds are still tainted with sin. Like, it can actually be harder. Because they're surely not as bad as so-and-so. Right, yeah. And they're just like, well, I mean, look, my life is generally good, and everyone around me says so, and (laughs) it can just be more difficult, I think, to recognize. Not even that we still do bad things, but that even the good things we do 
are still tainted with sinful motives sometimes. Yeah. Like we yeah. talked about that. We've talked about that before. You know, like it's, you can do amoral things, quote unquote, or even something that's permitted by law. Mm-hmm. But if your heart's intent is wrong and evil, still yes. tainted by sin. Exactly. And if you buy this misinterpretation, you also have to ask, this is where it gets really complicated and crazy. How do you keep tally of your good deeds versus your bad deeds? Like, do you have a whiteboard in your, your living room where you like carefully annotate, you know, your good deeds versus your bad? And what counts as a good deed? Like, who's deciding that? Who decides what counts as a good deed versus not? Uh, and do your motives matter? Like, where do your motives play a factor in that? And at what level are your deeds tainted by your motives? Like, if your motives are mostly good, but then, like, there's just a little bit of selfishness, like, is that now a bad deed? Or is it, like... <laughs> it's a uh, percentage deal, though. Yeah. What about your thought life? Like, where does your thought life factor into that? And just, how do we determine all those things? You you would literally need, a like, a pharisaical score chart, like, with tier lists. This is my sin abacus. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you'd have to, it would be, oh gosh. Oh, yes. And, you know, you're like, yeah, like, well, murder is like, you know, negative 100, and, you know, anger is only, you know, negative two or whatever. And, but then again, when you're actually rooted in the scriptures, you see that that's not just not the case, Mm -hmm. that it's never painted that way, that as James says it, if you are guilty in one part of the law, you are held accountable like for all of it. Like Mm -hmm. you've you've basically, you've broken the whole thing and you will have to be held accountable, which actually means the answer, thanks be to God, is much easier than trying to figure out, well, what counts as a good deed versus a bad and how many do I have to do? Exactly. All you have to do is trust in Jesus and he justifies you, he forgives you, and then his spirit empowers you to indeed live a more virtuous life, uh, to cultivate the fruit of the spirit, but you're not having to do this mental math all the yeah. time. And, and that also doesn't mean you're free of earthly consequence. Right, exactly. Either. Like that still does exist in our like earthly judicial system. There are tiers of consequence right. for the severity of things and how they affect others. But as it pertains to the law of God, you know, you break one piece, you're guilty of all. So. Right. And uh, even to come back to that point with a guy like, I mean, like Jeffrey Dahmer, mm-hmm. like he did terrible, atrocious things. Things. He had a jailhouse conversion. He still had to. He, he didn't get his, out. Yeah, he didn't I mean, get out. It's technically, like, was oh, murdered there. But yeah, he was. A, that's beside the point. Metal bar beat over the head. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Which I find that just kind of almost off, off topic, but interesting that apparently he was like ready to die. I guess he was just like whatever happens to me, like, like I'm fine with that. I yeah. don't. That's, what a character. That's all Truly, I guess I can I say about that. Yeah, say. I don't know what else to say. What a strangely that's a point. mentally healthy recovery? Question yes. Mark? Yes. But again, to further that point, the social consequences yeah. of what he did are different than if I harbor, you know, hidden anger in my heart exactly. towards someone. You know, like those do just have radically different consequences on this earth. But again, in the eyes of God, you're going to be held accountable for all of that. Mm-hmm. So the thank God, again, simple solution is we throw ourselves upon Christ. He shows us his mercy and he justifies us. That's the true story. So that's a pretty common misconception, I would say, though. It's still running rampant. So we really do need to root ourselves down into the scriptures and the things that God himself is telling us. But here's another pesky misinterpretation that can cause some obvious problems. And this is one that I don't necessarily run into this one directly, but I do encounter this a lot in general, like just people in conversations, and it kind of comes out more or less indirectly. But the misinterpretation they hold to is, other people control my emotions and are responsible for my happiness. Oh, my word. Is there <laughs> is there any clearer way to just eject personal responsibility? I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> 
Yeah, so in other words, we can get into this funk where if we listen to the story the world is trying to tell us, we'll start to believe that we should be allowed to stay exactly the same. That, you know, I don't need to change. Just, I just accept me exactly yes, the way I am. Exactly as don't I am. Don't you dare. Listen, I'm a psychopath and I will stay that way. <laughs> I'm a crazy cannibalizing murderer and dagnabbit. I'm going to stay this way. (laughs) But we believe that. And then we think our family and friends are the ones who need to change in order to make us happy. It's so destructive. It is. It is. So, again... This is a different issue than Christians who, you know, maybe you see um, a loved one who's falling into a pattern of sin that is destroying them and then saying, hey, like, you're ruining your life here. Like, why don't we, you know, like, let's come out of that. Mm -hmm. But even in that same moment, we always need to remember Jesus's words that we need to pull the plank out of our eyes and then pull the wood chip out of our brother's eyes and beware of, you know, this self-righteousness. Because that can still, if we're not careful, be a form of I'm perfect and I don't need to change but you do. Exactly. So at the end of the day, the reality is I will be held accountable for what I did and how I responded to the circumstances around me. Right. Which is what I think this misinterpretation is trying to get around. that. Yeah, it's like, well, I was miserable because the people around me made me miserable. They were responsible for my emotions and therefore, that's why I did these things. I did it just because of them because it's their fault. Right, yes. And that is not, again, the story that the scriptures tell us. Just try to eat someone and use that excuse in court. Yeah, that's it. Like, well, he made me sad because he wouldn't do what I wanted him to do, and therefore... Therefore, I ate him. <laughs> that's like... It's his fault. That's, <laughs> yeah, like, that's not going to hold up either in the court of law or the court of heaven. Because that's the thing, is like, I will not be able to look at God and say, you know, oh, like, Ethan made me feel bad, and that's why I kept rampaging, and that's a viable excuse, <laughs> you know, God? Like, now, again... You don't want to deny the reality that there are people that do, they wrong us. Oh, sure. And those wrongs are genuine, and sometimes they're very, very evil. And we may feel uh, terribly as a result. I mean, that may wreak very terrible consequences in our our own hearts and our own lives. Mm -hmm. But... At the end of the day, again, that person will be held responsible for what they did. Exactly. They will be held responsible for that. And I will be held responsible for how I responded in light of that. Yeah. Still, that doesn't change the calculus in that regard. Exactly. So people may get a say in my life. That's inevitable. There's actually a C.S. Lewis quote comes to mind. It's kind of uh, peripherally related, but, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but he talked about how, you know, like, well, yeah, if you uh, don't ever want your heart broken and you don't ever want to experience pain, then sure, you know, like, basically uh, bury your heart in a casket and nail it up and be selfish like that, you know, do that. But if you want to love people and you want to be loved, then people are going to more or less get a say in your life to some degree. Like they're going to have some sort of an effect upon you. But at the end of the day, again, it's not like we get to look at God and say, well, they did this thing, therefore I did this thing. It's like, (laughs) well, no, I I revealed to you what you were to do. Mm -hmm. You were to love your neighbor as yourself. And did you do that or did you not? And on that score, I would say that especially as Christians, we should be more frustrated with our failures to love than to be loved. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because I think, again, I don't want to deny the reality that like, if we f- feel unappreciated or unloved, that's terrible. And yeah. that's a, an awful place to be. No one, no one's numb to that. Right. I should think. But I think when, again, you can get obsessed with like, well, people don't appreciate me enough or they don't love me enough, you know, and they're responsible for my happiness. And 
what God is after when it comes to this is he wants us to love, like love your neighbor as yourself, Mm -hmm. love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what we don't often account for is people who do love well are often beloved by others. You know, Mm -hmm. like I want to be around people who are selfless and Uh, kind and loving. And I tend to, I tend to admire and love those people. And so like love sort of begets love Mm -hmm. in this sense. Whereas if someone is constantly like, look at this thing I did. And I'm so like, you know, they're basically just (laughs) begging you to shower them with praise and adulation. Like that strikes me as terribly needy. And like, I'm like, it's exhausting (laughs) to be around someone who's like that. Right. Sure. And so it backfires, but then they're like, well, you, but you didn't love me. And so I'm, you know, like I'm not freaking out. And I mean, yeah, like misery loves company, but so does, a loving spirit. Yes, exactly. And even then, you know, as a Christian, there are people who are like, admittedly, I'll say, well, Paul said, bear with one another in love, implying some people you have to bear with, you know, like that's, oh, that's a yeah, reality. Yeah. But he does say bear with them in love. Mm. And so again, at the end of the day, I think Christians who are tethered to the scriptures and the story that God is telling, we should be looking more for how can we love others and how can we better love God rather than being obsessed with, oh, well, people are responsible for my emotions exactly. and my happiness. They are responsible for that. No, they're not. They may have a say in it. They may affect them, but they're not responsible for them. Yeah. At the end of the day, that is something between us and the Lord. So those are a couple more misinterpretations that show up when we're listening to the wrong story, and we definitely need to be aware of them because they crop up in our hearts more easily than we think. I will even say that for myself. I find both of these to be true of me at one time or another, and then I find my life miserable. <laughs> well, I've I've never been responsible for these sins. That's never happened to me not once. No, no, uh, not Ethan. <laughs> that's, that's why we have such a good dynamic, right? That's it, exactly. Uh-huh, uh-huh, Precisely. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so yes, there you have it. And uh, that covers that. Wowie. Yeah, we did it. Did the thing again, like we always do in every episode. We answered. In 20 to 30 minutes. Every conceivable question. Yes, mm-hmm. every objection, every angle, all yeah, covered. That's true. Wow, thank goodness. Yes. <laughs> Uh, well, we are grateful that you do listen to us, even though we are ridiculous sometimes. <laughs> and uh, we do hope that you found this episode helpful and encouraging. If you want to leave us an honest five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts, that would be great. And if you want to share it, that would also be great. Yeah. You know what I found? Because I listen to podcasts via Overcast. Yes. Because I believe it is the superior listening app. It is. There's not an avenue for reviews. That's right. But let me tell you this. More than once, I've actually then gone on to iTunes to specifically leave reviews because I'm like, super passionate yep. about XYZ. Yeah. And uh, for those of you that actually go the extra mile, holy crap, thanks. Yes. That means a lot. Truly, thank you. As Ethan pointed out, the podcast Sage over here, go go find it there. That's where, that's where it is. And if you do have questions on this or any other topic, anything related to this, you can always email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net or you can interact with us on social media. Thank you, as always, for listening and we'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.